Our scripture passage today comes from the gospel according to Matthew. I'm going to be looking at chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Uh, before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Good and glorious Father, Lord, giver of all good gifts, Lord, we come to you in thanksgiving and praise, Lord, and we come to you to sit at your feet, Lord, to learn from you. Father, you have given us your holy word and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that we may know your will for us. So as we come here today, Father, inspire us as you once inspired these words to be written and spoken today. Father, bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Listen now to the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Do you know, any of y'all remember uh, that show? It was, uh, I guess, popular a few years back. I don't even know if it's on anymore. Um, it's called Undercover Boss. You remember that show? I mean, it was. I, I saw it a few times. I'm not a huge fan of reality TV, but I was actually kind of intrigued by this one. Um, if you've never seen the show, 
the premise goes something like this. They, they take a, a CEO or president of a large corporation, and then they give him a little disguise, and then they put him in as an entry-level employee in his own business. And so the people he's going to be working with have never seen him, really. They may have seen him on maybe some uh, company memo or something, but they don't know who he is. As far as they know, he's just another entry-level employee starting at the very bottom, hoping to work his way up just a little bit. Now, because they didn't know who he was, they weren't sure always how to act around him. They were treating him just like he was anybody else. And so the boss, it was always interesting, he got to see what life was like on the bottom of the ladder and what people really thought of him and people really thought of his company. And it was kind of neat to see like this revelation sometimes uh, dawn upon his face. He realized maybe what a hard time he had given his employees and you know, that, what little benefits they had and how they struggled or, or how they worked in order to enrich him and, and the other guys at the top. And it was always a great moment the best when there was the big reveal at the end. When the boss showed up, he brought the people in front and said, you know what, I'm not an employee. In fact, I'm the CEO and the president of this company. And it was a neat moment because he always handed out rewards for the people who worked hard. And the people who are the ones that worked hard are the ones that worked not knowing that he was the boss, but they acted as if that boss was already there. He rewarded those people that treated him kindly. And treated him justly. Even they, though they did not know he was the boss, they thought he was someone under them. But they did the right thing, even when it seemed like it didn't matter. Because they knew a secret. It always matters to do the right thing. Now, how do you think you would fare if your boss showed up suddenly undercover at your business and appeared as an employee under you, and he came and worked for a certain period of weeks and months. How, how do you think you would do? How would you fare? Would you be one of the employees that grumbled a lot, kind of showed your true colors that way? Or would you be one that worked like you were supposed to, as if the boss was always watching? Well, m maybe you don't have that kind of arrangement, employee, employee arrangement. Maybe you own your own business. Maybe you got a small company, so you know your boss. There's no way he could go undercover in yours. Or maybe you work in the government or something, and you don't have a, a formal like head boss or CEO that could disguise himself. But what if the what if the big boss came to you in disguise? What if the big boss? And I mean by big boss, I mean Jesus. What if Jesus showed up in your life? Not as an authority figure, but as someone that would be considered lowly in our society. Not someone in authority, not someone that you want to impress, not somebody with riches and honor and glory. But what if he appeared as someone below you? Someone that we consider beneath, I hate using that phrase, but you know what I mean. How would you act with him? How would you treat the stranger? What if he appeared to you as that dorky kid at school that nobody likes? Or that employee at work that's always messing up and making people angry? What if he appeared to you as that neighbor that never cuts his grass like he's supposed to and, well, everybody knows he's having trouble paying his bills? 
What if he appeared as that homeless guy outside your office building that you always try to avoid making eye contact with? If Jesus came in your life as the undercover boss, or rather the undercover king, what would he learn about you? What would he learn about you and the kind of person that you are? If you believed him to be nobody, just somebody lowly, would you still be able to treat him right and do the right thing? Now, i got to tell you, this, this is not just a flight of fancy that I've got about Jesus appearing in your life as, as the undercover boss. According to the story we read today, this is a real possibility. In fact, it is a high probability that Jesus will appear in your life in just this way. We read today from uh, Matthew 25. And Matthew 25 is a very important verse. I encourage everybody to become very, very familiar with Matthew 25 because there's three stories in this chapter and all three of them tell you what Jesus is going to want to know about you and know from you at the last judgment. When Jesus comes back, when he comes to judge the nation and these three things he's going to know of every single one of us. So it's it's so much in our best interest to get to Matthew 25 and to know those questions because he tells them beforehand. There's three parables he tells. The first one is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins about these women who are waiting for the bridegroom to appear. And ten of them were foolish and they did not have enough oil in their lamps. But another ten were wise and they had extra because they didn't know when the bridegroom was going to come. So they were ready at any time. And the lesson of that parable is we should always be ready for the return of Christ. Every moment. Always be ready to meet him in some way. The second parable is the parable of the talents. And in this parable, a master gives his servants a sum of money. And they are meant to take this money to go out and invest it. And investing this money, they can come back to their master and bring him a greater yield than what he gave them. And in that parable, he teaches us that God has given us so much. He's blessed us with so much, with grace and with talents and abilities. And we are meant to go and to take those and to invest them in the world. That we can get a yield for his kingdom back to him. And this final parable is the parable we call the story of the sheep and the goats. And in this one, Jesus tells us how we are supposed to treat our fellow human beings. And in this story, he gives a description of the final judgment. It opens up, says, when the the Son of Man returns in all his glory and with the angels with him. And he's talking about the last judgment. This is the very end of time. If you're looking in the Bible, it's Revelation, the end of Revelation, when all of God's work is coming to an end. And it's going to end with Jesus coming back and he's going to sit on a throne of judgment and all the nations are going to gather to him. All the dead are going to be raised to life again. And we're going to be brought before the throne of judgment of Jesus Christ as he's coming to judge the nations. And Jesus tells us in this time he's going to separate the people. On the right are going to be the sheep. And on the left are going to be the goats. Now I don't want anyone to get offended how I'm indicating today. I'm, I'm not making a point, okay? This is... This is just theater, right? It's just his directions. All of y'all are going to be here. Maybe I should all sit on the right today. It would have been better. But he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Now, if you're wondering about this, you want to be a sheep. 
That's what you want to be. Right? And I know in, in our culture, sometimes we use the word calling a person a sheep as an insult. As someone who doesn't think for themselves, who just kind of follows blindly after the crowd. But in this sense, being sheep is good. You want to be a sheep. You want to be one of Jesus' sheep. That means you followed him and you followed him in faith. So he's got the, the sheep on his right and he's got the, the goats on his left. And he starts by talking to his sheep. And he tells them, well done. Well done. You've done a great job. In fact, you've done such a great job. I've got a great big reward for you. Come you were blessed by God. I want you to inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you at the foundation of the earth. The foundation of all creation. Now when he, when he says inherit the kingdom, he's talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom that was begun by Christ. The kingdom that God is building today. The kingdom that we are part of. The kingdom of which it is our job to help build and to grow. He's saying this is the kingdom. And note what he's doing with this kingdom, he's giving it to you. He's giving it to the sheep. He says, this is your inheritance. The whole reason that I prepared and I built this kingdom is I want to give it to you. This kingdom is not just a place where we're going to dwell. It's going to belong to us. We are going to inherit this kingdom. And note also, he said, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has meant for you to inherit this kingdom from the very beginning. This is not plan B or plan C. This has been plan A. From the very moment God said, let there be light, he has been preparing and building this kingdom for you and for I and for all who believe in Christ Jesus to one day inherit. So who gets to inherit this kingdom? Well, the sheep of Christ, of course. And who are these sheep of Jesus Christ? Well, he tells you a little bit more about this story. He comes to the sheep and he tells them, you know what, I appeared to you one day in disguise. I appeared to you as somebody who was hungry. I appeared to you as someone who was thirsty. I appear to you as a stranger, as someone who was naked, as someone who was sick, as someone who was in prison. And when I appeared to you, you showed me mercy. When I appeared to you like this, you showed me kindness. You showed me charity. This is, this is his words here in verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to see me. And of course the sheep are kind of confused. They're like, wait, well, hold on, hold on. Jesus, I mean, I don't, my memory's not perfect, but I don't remember seeing you. I certainly don't remember seeing you sick and hungry and thirsty and stranger and naked or in prison. I don't remember seeing you at all. And then we get the big reveal. The big reveal that Jesus shows them. He says, I was there all along when you did it to the least of these, my brothers. That's when you did it to me. I was in disguise. I was living and I was walking among you. Not as who you expect, but as the least of these. 
that here we are, employees in the king's business, and our boss comes undercover to our life. Here we are just, just working to build the kingdom as he's told us, and our boss appears to us disguised as someone we never would expect. But he's got a bigger surprise on top of that. Because you have done well, because you have done this, I'm going to give the business now to you. Take it. The kingdom is now yours. See, it's not always easy finding who he is among us. Because he says, if you have done it to the least of these, my brothers, then you have done it to me. If he was the least of these, that means he could be anybody. He could be anyone among us. In fact, it's the one that you least expect. It's the one that you look at and you would think least deserves your mercy. The one that least deserves your kindness. This is how the king appears to us here. Appears to someone in great need. But not just any person in great need. The least of these in great need. This is not a friend of yours who is sick or a friend that's hungry or someone you really admire that happened to be in prison or someone who's wealthy that just needs a hand up for a moment or, or someone who can really get you that promotion you want and if you help him out then, well, you know, he will. This is the least of these he's talking about. Not the greatest among us that is hungry or thirsty. The least among us that is hungry and thirsty. This is somebody in great need who can't benefit you at all. This is someone who needs money and they can't pay you back. Someone that needs a favor and they're never in a million years going to be able to return the favor. This is somebody, if you help them out, they're not going to be able to increase your social standing or your reputation. They can't help you get ahead in your job. They're not going to get you more friends. They're not going to make you more popular with anybody. This is the least of these. The least of these. Someone in need, and you're not going to get a single thing for helping them out. In fact, you may even get in trouble for it. You may even suffer a little bit if you help out one of the least of these. You may get fun of. You may be mocked. You may be turned on by your friends or even your family. It may even cost you something, cost you something dear. And you get nothing in return. That's who the least of these would be. Someone who presents no advantage to you whatsoever. In fact, there's only one reason you would possibly help somebody like this. Only one reason at all I can think of. It's for the sake of mercy. And that's all. No advantage no gain. You see a person in need, you see a person hurting, and your heart goes out to them. You see someone lonely, someone afraid, someone's hanging on to the very last thread dangling at the end of their rope. And you offer a simple act of kindness, an act of charity, human sympathy, towards a fellow human being who happens to be suffering. Well, as it turns out, this is just the kind of person that Jesus wants to inherit 
the kingdom of God. See, when he's running his business, it's, it's not like any other business. He's not looking for the ambitious or the ruthless. He's not looking for the do anything to get ahead. He's not so concerned about the workaholics or the cutthroats or those who would stand on the heads and crush the heads of the people above them so they might advance just a little bit further. What Jesus is looking for is people with big, soft hearts. He's looking for the kind, for the merciful, for the quick to forgive. He's looking for the hearts of charity and compassion. What Jesus is looking for is a cheerful giver and a humble soul. Yeah, this is the type that he wants working in the king's business. Kind of makes sense if you think about it. I mean, his business is people. It's always been the business of God has been the people because the kingdom of God is about people. The kingdom that he's building is not about, is not about political boundaries or armies or, or political parties or wielding any kind of power or wealth at all. The kingdom of God is about people. It's about making people. About bringing people together and bringing people into his house. And actually, if you find out, the more I read about God, about what he's doing, you find out he's kind of obsessed about people. He really is. Especially obsessed about us. About your character. He's obsessed about your heart. Your talent, not so much. I mean, God gives away talent. I mean, he literally gives away talent talent but a kind and merciful heart a heart that's genuinely kind and merciful oh that's a lot harder to come by that kind of thing's a lot harder to find it's harder to find because these are not the virtues that our world rewards in this world we live in riches and honor and glory go to the ambitious and the ruthless and the cruel they go to the selfish. They go to the do anything to get ahead. And they're always surprised to find that Jesus will call them goats. And they're just as surprised as the sheep when Jesus appeared to them in disguise. For they didn't know it was Jesus. If they'd have known it was Jesus, they would have done something. But they had no idea it was Jesus and so. They showed him no compassion at all. And I'm afraid it doesn't end too well for them. This is not the kind of person Jesus wants running his business. He's looking for a different type altogether. In fact, I wonder if had Jesus put out a one ad for his business, he would run something like this. Looking for the right person to get involved in a wonderful business and investment opportunity. Looking for someone humble and merciful. Someone compassionate, kind, and forgiving. The ideal candidate will be someone who can put others first. will be someone who's willing to hurt a little bit if it eases the hurt of another. It will be someone who doesn't mind getting their nice clothes dirty. If it means helping their neighbor who has fallen in the dirt. Great benefits package available. 
the qualified will inherit the business one day. These are the kinds of people Jesus is looking to give his kingdom to. This is the kind of person he has decided will inherit the riches of his glory. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Because what Jesus is really looking for is people who are a lot like himself. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.